to Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swindon Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, are the British royal family any different than the Kardashians? Tim. The British royal family is functionally a powerless family, and there's been there's been in the news a lot lately with the recent death of the Queen and the new transition to the new uh, next level of the dynasty here. So, and again, the British royal family has been around for a number of years, hundreds of years, and it's functionally currently quite powerless, functionally quite powerless. It has technical powers uh, that are beyond any ruler really on the planet. Uh, and that, that's one of the interesting facts is that they still have that kind of power built in. And I've been following the, uh, not not as a fan necessarily, but these somewhat via Peter Hitchens columns, I've been following the uh, sort of interesting about the uh, the domestic role and the international role of the British monarchy for a number of years, vis-a-vis Peter Hitchens mainly again, also to some extent Sean Gabb as well. There are a number of British libertarians who will occasionally bring it up. Um, so I, I, it's been somewhat of an interest here, and it is sort of an actual, somewhat an existing monarchy in a sense. Moldbug also recently had a, Curtis Jarvan used had an article about can the British monarchy retake power as well. So there's a number of confluencing factors why we did this episode today here. But the episode title, of course, are they any different than the Kardashians? Um, so with respect to the monarchy, again, is the, one of the questions of how powerful the monarchy is, how power, powerful Britain is. And I say Britain is quite powerful still. I know not as powerful as 100 years ago, but still quite powerful. It's probably more powerful than, than Brazil, Russia, a number of, of, uh, you know, of places and countries. So, so the fact that the, the queen, now the king, sits atop ceremoniously this this uh, this state and this society uh, gives them a significant power. So the question is, are there any different than the Kardashians? And I brought up the Kardashians because I think the Kardashians um, is she's like a par excellence version of a celebrity. Uh, she she embodies what it means to be a celebrity quite well. She probably now to go full Kinsella or go to full Kevin Carson. To a large extent, certain aspects of celebrityism is just IP consumer capitalism. Um, you know, she sort of brands and things like that. She had a reality TV show. Uh, but to be fair, and this is what I think is partly the interesting thing, is the royal family also, in a sense, is a kind of brand. It's a kind of business that, uh, you know, that trades in exactly the same way, at least since the 1950s. Uh, uh, so one way to think about this is the royal family, again, is a kind of business. So one might imagine, like, let's say in a hypothetical end capitalism society, you have Gary Northing. Well, now we have two families, uh, the UK Royal Family Inc. and the Kardashian Inc. Again, this is not a legal question. This is anything that they indirectly influence or control is theirs. So, you know, if Kardashians can influence Kanye West, which influences other things, I know they're not they're married anymore, but... It, it, the influence networks here. You know, Neil Ferguson has a great book about, you know, the power of networks uh, and so forth. And you can clearly see they have a lot of networked power. Um, how much power they have, again, is somewhat question with respect to the monarchies, with respect to the royal family. So and this question is not new. This dates back to the American and French Revolution. One of the things which certain libertarians like uh, Jeffrey Hummel, who wrote the uh, Why the American Revolution Was Needed article, was the breakdown of traditional aristocratic elites in colonial America. Certain privileges, of course, exist, which still exist to some extent. Again, to what extent is partly the question in Britain, which no longer exists in the, in the United States. Um, in a sense, the modern version of this fight 
if you accept celebrity elite theory, which I do, I do think Kim Kardashian, you know, modern consumer society, for better or for worse, serves a kind of role um, uh, in that sense that she is a kind of glamorous elite. Again, you can dislike her all you want, but other people do. So that's just sort of the way it is. Um, um, and again, they're a family. So the question is, which family here, I think, is more influential and are they any different? And this is sort of like a backhanded insult to the royal family, because the royal family today seemingly lives on on a sort of celebrity brand power. You can see this with their charities. You can see this with their public appearances. You can see this with all other types of things. And, and Peter Hitchens points out this the celebrity of the monarchy really accelerated with Diana. Um, but you also see this Middleton and Marco, who's, you know, what could anyone, could an, if an alien came here, could anyone really tell the difference between uh, uh, Kate Middleton and Kim Kardashian? Uh, could anyone really tell? I mean, I, 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 the question is, could they? And that's a good question here. Um, so I think part of the reason why uh, the recent monarch was successful in maintaining power, which was initially was a problem, but now is no longer a problem, is was it became a, a feature, not a bug, is her gender. And you sort of see this with two modern TV shows, Crown, and also Amazon had uh, Victoria. So the queen became a kind of girl power feminist icon. I think that is quite clear that over time she became that um, to certain women. And or or and more importantly, to the left, I think she became that to, as that, that became a way that they could at least justify it or didn't explicitly insult it. So now that there's a male back in charge so to speak, of this family. The question is, will this dynasty, quote unquote, continue here? Um, that's why I also use Kim Kardashian as the model, not some other family. Again, the Kardashians are largely women dominated, too. So some of the queen worship is somewhat feministic in a sense. Uh, 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 and it's also a kind of you know costume dress up thing, which 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 goes into play, too, here. So it's with him. I, mean, I, I, I opened up with a field trying to sort of link the Kardashians in the current existing royal family. Again, this is a historical question. Now, there's no doubt that 250 years ago, they were a real political family with real political influence. Arguably, in the 1930s, they were still a real political family with real influence. So the question is, and I, I still think Britain is quite influential, at least domestically, they still have a significant, would, would hypothetically have a significant power. So what do you make of my spiel, spiel linking the two? And are there any differences between them? You know, is, are they just celebrities, Swithin? I think you can make the case that the royal family still has some reasonable amount of uh, political power. Um, a lot of it, you could argue, is still sort of um, merely ceremonial. Um, mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, the mm -hmm. Queen needs to um, give royal assent to acts of parliament, for one thing. Now, the last time royal assent wasn't given to an act of parliament was Queen Anne in the early 18th century um so it's um been a long time since it happened however according to um an investigation um that was written by the guardian um in about 2014 said that um with respect to private members bills so these are bills not put forward by the executive and the government but are uh, bills put forward to uh, Parliament from sort of backbench MPs, uh, and this was to do with um, getting rid of um, the royal prerogative primarily 
when it comes to uh, declaring war. So unlike in um, America, where in principle, Congress is supposed to declare war in Britain, basically the Queen can or the uh, Queen's ministers in Parliament can do so. And um, they try to put forward a bill and saying that um, that Parliament would need to give uh, approval to military action. This was um, primarily uh, this was prior to the Iraq War in 1999. But then he was given advice to say that uh, this curbed the royal prerogative in Parliament and therefore um, and therefore, you know, it would, it would be refused royal assent on that basis because um, the monarch's power to declare war was kind of like, you know, that's what the monarch can do. By the monarch's power, basically, it's it's the executive's power. Uh, now, whether or not that actually indicated that the royal family had much power anyway, or whether this was just a, a, a convenient ruse by the executive to mean that they have less um they are controlled less by parliaments another question. Um, but it is at least, I think, worth uh, noting. Uh, also as well that the monarch does meet with the prime minister every week. Um, and there aren't many celebrities, say, for instance, in the US who would meet the president on a regular basis. Um, so, I mean, if they, and then also as well, um, the royal family is rather rich. Um, now, it's very difficult to determine how rich they are. Um, so royals apparently own 3% of UK land overall. Um, now, that's as the royal family as a whole, rather than just the, the queen or the top royals um, in, independently. Now, and again, how valuable they are is another question. Um, I would suspect probably actually quite a lot. I would say I, I suspect it's actually very valuable, although again, it's difficult to tell. Um, as an aside, uh, the, the government owns most of the land. Uh, the Ministry of Defence um, owns more than the Crown's estates um, individually. Uh, and also got the good old Forestry Commission, which would be similar to some of the federal park and landowners, uh, especially out west. Um, but they do own a significant proportion of land. Um, and you could argue that the ownership of land is kind of the most important type of ownership. Even so, now, you could argue that that was true in feudalism rather than sort of like in capitalism, uh, sort of like from the 18th century onwards. But you still need somewhere to put your capital, which is land. So insofar as you take the view that land, as it were, is the most valuable of any of the factors of production, the fact that they're very, very large landowners could well... Um, mean that they have much more economic influence. I mean, and, and, and as well related to economics, they are exempt from various taxes, in particular inheritance tax, because that would basically mean that um, a lot of the royal estates couldn't be bequeathed to the children because they wouldn't be able to raise enough money to pay uh, the inheritance tax bill, which, of course, would be significant uh, in that case. So are they influential? It's If they are, it's some these days very much on, on a back foot uh, in the shadows and rather than up front. Uh, so I think it's difficult to quantify, but they certainly have um, the what, the means to 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 be so. Um, now, th you mentioned in the 1930s, they were still sort of more prominently and publicly political in a sense that, well, or, or so was Edward VIII, uh, who um, 
who was very much concerned about the, the unemployment uh, in the 30s and, and said that there must be something that must be done. And then ba- and then he was conveniently hounded out because he wanted to marry a divorcee. Well, that's never really ever historically been a problem. Uh, Henry VIII. Now, granted, he never married a divorcee, uh, if I get my history correct. But when it comes to a divorcee marrying, etc., that was simply not really an issue. Um, and uh, from a very interesting article by um, Duncan Whitmore of um, the Libertarian Alliance, um, basically said that this was sort of a, a changing of the power structure, at least uh, symbolic of it, which was that the um, upper middle class, the financier type, the capitalist class, as it were, uh, finally sort of usurped the traditional sort of landed aristocracy. And this has been something been going on since, say, the Reform Acts. Well, well, I suppose since the Glorious Revolution of 1688, really. Um, And so um, his interpretation was he was booted out because he was too overtly political. Um, Now, that said, public persona of the royal family is very much like a celebrity family like the Kardashians. You have what are known as currently known as the royalist types. And these people who love the Union Jack. They love the queen. They love the royal family and anything that's royal, any royal events, they, they always turn out for them. And these are the types of people who would camp out for like three or four days so they can get the front in the parade or like to, to watch a parade and stuff like that. Um, and as well, I mean, with royal, uh, celebrity status, um, if you look at the biggest viewed events in British history on television, uh, the top two is shared between the English football team at World Cups and Euros and royal events, including crownings, marriages and funerals. Uh, those are the most watched. Um, so you you do have a, a significant royal royalist contingency, uh, but they're not really monarchists. They're, they're not like, oh, yes, I think the constitutional monarchy is the best form of governance, like Pete Hitchens might be. Rather, they think we just kind of like the royal family um, and Diana is an interesting case. Diana really does uh, engage with the celebritization, as it were. Although you could argue that um, celebritization isn't really avoidable in the mass media. And as media becomes more important in a way, so does celebrity. Um, So are they just like the Kardashians? No, I don't think so. They probably have more influence uh, than that. Um, but are they treated primarily as a um, sort of celebrity family by the public as large? Well, yes, I would say. Uh, I want to touch on the role of celebrities in society, because if if, if they are celebrities, then that's the question. Uh, are, uh, a simple way to ask this question is, is, are celebrities terrible? Are celebrities bad? Uh, and I think I would I don't really follow celebrities too, too much. Uh, I, I would say that's a that's a virtuous not to follow them. Um, uh, you know, and I think Thomas Sowell was asked, what, you know, what he doesn't listen to the opinion opinion of. He was asked about some uh, uh, celebrity liking his work. And he said, I don't really value the opinion opinion of entertainers too much. Uh, so I, I, I think celebrities are a somewhat dubious lot here. Uh, and I think I would put put the Kardashians in that as well. And I would put to some extent I would have to put the certain aspects of the royal family here. Because again, what do they what do they functionally do? At least with public celebrity, public intellectuals or or athletes, they do do something. 
no, uh, you know, Tom Brady or, you know, uh, some uh, Barry Bonds or some uh, or, you know, great football players, not that I, uh, great soccer players, you at least do something. It takes a lot of work to become a world-class athlete or of any sport here. You know, Cadell Evans, it takes a lot of work for them to, to actually pull that off. Uh, just now, it, to be fair, it does probably take a lot of work to be a glamorous celebrity insofar as, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take no work. So there's certain extents which not anyone could probably do it. Um, but it's not really something that, you know, if you go Kantian ethics, not everyone can live like that. Uh, you know, you can't sort of imagine everyone being, you know, a, a model of that variety. Uh, so so in that sense, I say that to some extent, celebrities are parasitic idols. Um, and I think that's quite obvious here. And as Tim Dillon says, uh, he was making fun of um, Meghan Markle. Uh, there's he never actually. Uh, let me get this. Um, if Meghan Markle weren't attractive, she would be nowhere. And that's entirely the case. I mean, they complain about them. Celebrities complain about them being eye candy. She was a deal or de- no deal model, and she was on. Uh, she was an actor on the uh, show Suits, I believe. And you know, again, there's no there's no version of where she's unattractive that doesn't that she doesn't make any money, you know, and that, that's just, that's just the sort of the way it is here. Um, you know, and again, actors, it's funny enough how actors and celebrities, Peter Hitchens, I think had a recent column about how politicians are, are basically hollow actors. Actors generally don't have much of interest to stay, you know, about things uh, because again, they spent their life trying to embody other people uh, you know, and, and play them on screen or on stage here. So to some extent, celebrities are kind of just real life actors. And this is sort of what the Kardashians are. I mean, they had a reality TV show uh, and that's what they, they just sort of filmed them around going out to dinner, having fights with their families. They had the Now again, what percent of the stage is a good question here. Uh, and you know, why do people watch this? I mean, it's somewhat addictive. It's somewhat interesting to follow other people's gossip and so forth. So I, I do think celebrities, there's a sort of pernicious level uh, uh, celebrity, uh, of celebrity worship. What's your take on celebrities in society? I think I think I think singers who write interesting songs are to, not to sound too cheesy are the equivalent of modern day poets. I think film directors and film writers I think are interesting. The actors I want to sort of divorce that. The actors not so much. I you know I I you know I think Steven Spielberg is interesting. Uh, Stanley Kubrick they are interesting. The the actors themselves, not very much. I think the songwriters are interesting too, but the performers, eh, not so much. So I still want to demarcate the types of celebrities out there. Uh, and I, I would have to put the royalty in the category of actors. Would you would you would you agree with that demarca- demarcation? Would you agree with the categorization of them? Because they sure just shake hands, they wave. I mean, what what do they actually do that is quote unquote an honest day of work? Swithin? <clears throat> Well, um, many royalists will point out to the fact that the the royal family do, does engage in a lot of um, royal duties in sort of going around the country, opening things, visiting people, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But although exactly what they do do is another question. Many of them have had some form of military service, um, although um, it's to what I did one of them do something in the Falklands um, but from recent years they haven't really had much frontline action I mean uh, Harry was at Sandhurst Military Academy and he did 
some things in some wars, at least to a minor extent, to some extent. Um, so they do do some things. And for, and for all accounts, the Queen did seem to work rather hard, it would seem. Clearly, she had lots of luxury and got people to do things for her, but uh, she didn't seem particularly lazy. Um, uh, that said, though, it is true that if other people did what the royals did, would they be well known? Well, probably not. As, so that is a function of royalty. Uh, coming back to sort of sociological terms, it may reminded me of, of uh, ascribed and um, achieved status. Whereas the, where the royal family has sort of ascribed status just because they're the royals, whereas other people need to be... Um, need to achieve it to be recognized whereas well they're just sort of there because well uh, everyone knows uh well they are um royal so well obviously they're sort of relevant um when it comes to who of celebrity are interesting i would generally agree with your uh statement i used to listen to a podcast on film site of mayo and kermo film review and the interviews i generally skipped if they were of actors, because they ended up just being really dull. Uh, but if you uh, interviewed directors, it was actually worth listening to. Um, and I think that's what you have with a lot of um, m- uh, modern media stuff, is that the the intelligent individuals are behind the scenes, and they just know that uh, attractive-looking people are popular. So they get them and get them to do things sufficiently well so that people will go and see them but really the brains behind them is the writers and the directors and and the right and the um so songwriters i i i do think that is um largely true um that said though when it comes to um actors and singers they can still sing and can still act i mean it does seem to be the case that acting is relatively easier than uh direction or writing but still i mean there's better actors and better worse act- and worse actors um, also, there are some those uh, celebrities who just seem to be famous for, well, being famous. Uh, one of the um, best examples that I can think of was is and was Paris Hilton, uh, who seemed literally just to be uh, famous because she was famous. Obviously, she was relatively attracted did, um, to um, modelling and stuff. And then just seemed to be on in the social scene and then was seen everywhere in, at the it events by OK, hello, etc. And um, and um, therefore became well known. Uh, she was born into a rich family to begin with. Uh, her paternal great grandfather founded Hilton Hotels. Um, so, yeah, there definitely are a number of. Very talentless celebrities, it would seem to be the case, especially now when you get the uh, reality TV star who, well, basically they haven't done anything at all. They've just sort of appeared as themselves, but then people happen to like them as themselves um, and therefore then become popular, um, which is kind of weird. in a way, the being more interested in the royal family kind of makes more sense because we'll they're kind of the well traditionally we've been ruling class and therefore to have an interest in what the ruling elite are doing makes more sense than some random celebrity. So those go on. Tim. The the comment you made about how actors uh, have to work at becoming actors that's that's to some extent true. Uh, actors do have to work. It is a craft. It is a trade in that sense. 
and they and being there are better and worse actors. Although ironically enough, with the recent accusations of out of the Weinstein, it could just be a sort of depravity uh, class where you know in order to get ahead, since since the talent might all be uh, somewhat unless you get a certain there's probably a certain pool of actors that are basically interchangeable. Uh, and there was also another recent arg- ar- article on Tacky Magazine about quotas, and they said that that certain movies are just becoming more competitive. Be- a certain classes are just becoming more competitive because you have to have so many of this group and so many of that group and so forth. So, so maybe, maybe I reckon that uh, I reckon that there's a lot of people who could who could be a a pretty good actor, but you know to actually make it on the show is a somewhat of a political choice. Uh, and this is where you know them keeping their mouths shut is actually a virtue insofar as then they don't say anything that's deemed you know, politically incorrect or, or, you know, interesting. So they just sort of stay out of it. They're just sort of eye candy. So you know, I think it was a uh, Markle was complaining that no one wanted to. Well, she was complaining about her deal or no deal role. And it was like, no, duh. That's what you're there for. You know, you can dislike the role, but then you shouldn't apply for the job. You shouldn't, you, you know, that's what you are. You're just eye candy. You, you can like that role. You can hate that role, but don't complain that no one wants to hear what you have to say. You're not a, you're not a professional like at least with people like professional celebrity intellectuals, like a Zizak or like a uh, Noam Chomsky, they have interesting arguments, and they, you know, their opinions are actually quite interesting, uh, and so forth. Same with directors, as I've mentioned before here. Uh, so that sort of touches the role of of, of celebrities here. And you made an interesting point, which I also want to uh, 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 say is the uh, subscribed or achieved. Uh, uh, talent. I think that was your your wording, roughly. Uh, and ascribed sort of, and uh, achieved status. Okay, the, that the what you were saying. Yeah. This reminds me of Hayek's essay on why the worst get on top in democracies. And one of the differences I think between the United States and Britain is is you don't see the Kardashians forming in Britain. You see the Kardashians forming in the United States. And I think so. You could argue that the Kardashians are had to sort of achieve their status. They had to spend years uh, modeling. They had to spend years uh, doing a reality TV show uh, about their lives, opening up their lives to everybody. Um, they weren't in, didn't inherit that status. Um, and on the other hand, they more or less, the royals, sort of inherit their status from years back. There is a sort of conservatizing effect of of these sort of more royal factors uh, as opposed to the American version of celebrities uh, in that sense that, you know, they, since they didn't have to achieve it, they sort of walked into it. And by walking into it, um, they don't they, they're, they're less uh, they're less like sales people in that sense. Now, you could argue that, again, to go back to my point about actors having to do something, you could argue that she does seem the Kardashians do seem like shrewd business business women. They do seem like shrewd uh, uh, deal makers in that sense to get there and to maintain their role a top celebrity culture for at least 15 to 20 years. So in that sense, like I, I don't see, I don't see the car. I don't, if you, if you brought the Royals and had a sort of body switch, I don't see them being able to maintain the Kardashian dynasty as well as uh, th- them going, becoming the Royals. If you sort of flip them, I don't think they would do as quite well. Um, so Swithin, what do you think, what do you think of my argument here about celebrities, you know, the differences between American and British celebrities? Like, I can't name a single celebrity uh, that is in that 
pure celebrity. Again, Paris Hilton is a very much American celebrity here. I can't name a celebrity in that sense that is remotely like that. And to sort of touch on more deeper topics here, uh, you know, do you think do you think this is a sort of backhanded defense of the monarchy, uh, so to speak, that you sort of push out? Because like this is what Peter Hitchens will say. You say like you say that they'll open up bridges, they'll open up schools and hospitals. That actually I think is useful if you're going to have a state rather than having Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump open up a bridge or or whoever Ted Cruz even you have a quote unquote neutral political figure to do it. So like I, I think that's there, there there are benefits I think to having a ceremonial head of state um, that that is a sort of third party in a sense uh you know like you know, so like Chuck Schumer, if he's sued opening up a subway bridge, he sort of takes credit that he built it. You know, the monarch, when they do it, it's not as explicitly political or tied to a certain partisan sect here. So I think there are features of the sort of constitutional monarchy, again, in Britain, in modern day. And I'm, I'm speaking sort of in normally libertarian, normally conservative parlance here. Uh, but I think there are features that that get lost upon Americans with respect to uh, the, or for that matter, Republicans. And I'm reading this in the sort of older use of the words of republic versus a monarchy. Uh, and even the modern sense, I noticed this with Japan too, that, that there is, it's, it seems it does play some role, which sort of undermines my initial argument. But, but of course, the Kardashians do have influence. And we saw that with the Trump administration and so forth. You know, the Kardashians do have some amount of political power. Well, for better or for worse. So they're not totally powerless either. Swithin, what do you make of this? What do you make of my argument with respect to Hayek, as well as my other comments? Swithin, thanks. Um, I think um, it's the case that not everybody could do what the Kardashians have done. I mean, Kardashians, I think, are an outlier uh, in their dedication to becoming famous. Uh, whether or not they've become famous for, for doing anything particularly useful is another question. Um, but uh, they it's not anything that it's not something that anybody could do easily. I think that's true. Um, when it comes to the royal family, uh, it is quite handy having them opening things because they can never really take direct credit for anything. They're just great and they just appear and do stuff, um, which is, I, as I say, certainly an, advent, an advantage over a politician of any description opening this, thing, this bridge and saying, oh, yes, I have done this as his part of my legacy um so um in that sense it that's quite useful and that kind of goes to sort of like the um the constitutional monarchy arguments that um peter hitchens would make that it's great that britain doesn't need to have the head of state being a politician we have the monarch to do that instead um which gives this sort of one it gives uh, stability um over time and also that they're one step away from the governments and so they can give sort of gravity and import to things without being partisan um in in the same way so the, the these would then feed into sort of those classic uh constitutional uh monarchy arguments um so insofar as the state exists that you know that that is certainly an advantage it's, it's certainly very much preferable that to have a king, I think, and to have, uh, as now Rishi Sunak, to be president and to go around as head of state. Um, 
it, it's to some extent keeps the politicians somewhat in their place, although to what extent is another question. Um, but it, 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 it does have um, those advantages. Could you remind me of the Hayek's specific arguments again as to why the worst get on top? Uh, in a democracy, it's a, it's a competition and it's a basically a competition of depravity and theft and looting. Like, or even in, even in, lib- and this is true. This is, this is sort of true of like a celebrity marketplace too. It's, it's a competition of like who can be the most, you know, vain, glamorous or who can be the most, and it's entirely of non-virtuous behaviors here. So I think there's a sort of overlap between becoming a successful celebrity and becoming a successful politician. It might be a skill. It might be a skill in so far as not everyone could do it as well as other people. And since there's an inequality, some people will be better than others at doing it. Um, but but Hayek seems to make a backhanded defense of monarchy as some of his uh, 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 some of the uh, commentary on the essay would point out that that the uh, it, it does undermine the, the usual defense that that uh, democracy is the best government uh, compared to all the other ones that are tried. And again, our, we we we've brought up Hans Hoppe. We both view Hans Hoppe as and democracy, but God, the failed that as a influence here. And it seems like today, even in 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 uh, Britain versus the United States, you know, we see. Whether celebrities should play a role or not is a good question. We see even that even celebrities, the types of celebrities that like you don't see celebrities forming of that kind in Britain as much as they do in United States, for example. I think that one of the arguments might be is that the monarchy takes up that role. And the president is itself a kind of celebrity. You know, political politicians become celebrity. The Kennedys, you know, the uh, the Trumps. You know the Obamas; they're kind of celebrities too. They're political leaders, but they're also celebrities. And I, I think some of the sort of normie people were annoyed when Trump got elected, which didn't really surprise me, because like he has the skill set to be a politician, and it's just it's not to be you know well read in, in in Hayek or or well read in even Keynes or Marx. It's it's just to you know to give speeches to trash talk on Twitter. You know, there's a certain skill set. This is the why the worst get on top here. It, there's a sort of competition, and that competition just rewards what is essentially neutral or b- non-virtuous behavior. That would be, that would be my argument. Um, that would be my argument. Roughly, there is clearly skill involved in becoming a politician. Don't get me wrong. Bill Clinton is an excellent, charismatic public speaker. Uh, don't get me wrong. There is skill in doing, but it seems like more like the skill of actors. Uh, rather than the skill, you know, of like a, p- a piano player or a plumber, it's a, or, or something like that. That would be my argument in what, why the sort of the relationship and why the worst get on top. What do you, do you what do you make of that? Do you broadly agree? And if you don't, what do, what will be your disagreements? Oh yeah, I mean that's, that's certainly correct. Um, with uh, Hans Hopper, he says, do you, do you do you want competition in being a concentration camp guard? It's like no. Because then you get a really good concentration cat guard, which will mean that he'll never let anybody out, and he'll mean that lots of people get killed. It's like, well, clearly you don't want that. You, you, you want competition in goods, not competition in bads. And if you have competition in looting and um, and theft, etc., well, then clearly you want people who are incompetent. Um, so having um, monarchs or royal figures who are not 
particularly uh, efficient in what they're doing is going to be beneficial in certain respects. And that's certainly true. Um, and you're, you're right about what that, Donald Trump is, is, is very much a politi- is a very much somebody who is excellent at being a democratic politician. He, he, he does all the show uh, which the public love. Because the public love and the voters want, want just a, a big performance. And that's what he gives them. Whether he's particularly effective in doing things that are actually any good is another question. But all the sort of upfront things he, he, he does very well. Um, does he, although that said, he, he, he's not as Machiavellian as many politicians are. So he, he, he didn't really need to develop the Machiavellian skill set to ascend over time as many of these uh, characters do. Um, especially in Britain, although to be fair, although in this case, uh, Rishi Sunak is interesting uh, because he had only he's only been in Parliament, I believe, for six or seven years. He was first elected in 2015 and is the youngest prime minister for a long time. And I think probably the fastest ever from ever being elected MP to becoming prime minister. Um, so uh, Rishi has ascended very high, very quickly probably because he's very good at the game and or is backed by interested parties who want to make him do well. Trump doesn't seem to have done that. But I mean, but given the office of president and what you need to be to be president, he's done that very well. And of course, the system is different. So you don't need to climb up in the same um, in, in, in the same way. Um, as, as a general aside, though, when it comes to sort of like um, uh, monarchy, and this is slightly off topic, but um, if you're going to have, which you, uh, this is need defending, but if it was, if you needed to have uh, a body of people who, de- who sort of declared what the final, and we discussed this actually when we looked about in the Supreme Court episode, if you need a group of people to decide the content of a law within a particular area or within a particular people group, um, clearly that kind of power is is uh, very attractive to people who want to sort of dominate other people. And so having a system whereby you can't directly take those reins of power is going to be quite useful. So things like hereditary aristocracy, uh, for instance, not to say monarchy per se, uh, could be a very good way of doing that because, well, there's no way that you can um, take those reins of power. Now, clearly, though, do you want one world aristocracy? Well, no. But if you can have as small as those groups can be and then you can kind of move between them then that will put effective uh, breaks on their power. But the actual direct content of a law by something like, as a hereditary aristocracy, is a way of preventing people who want power for power's sake. I think um, Keith Preston thought that that was the position of uh, Donald Rumsfeld, he, very much a man who desired power for power's sake, is not somebody you want to be able to get hold of the reins of power because he would just use them as a as a tool for effectively incre- further increasing his own power and no domination. Uh, so I, I certainly think there are um, things in favour of non-democratic and uh, sort of hereditary uh, positions when it comes to political power. What's the future of the British royal families and their their power they have again they have i opened up with saying there aren't any there are, are there is there any difference between them and the kardashians for one thing i think unlike the kardashians they'll be they'll they have a, they have a future 
Like, uh, the Kardashians will be forgotten, as well as most politicians are forgotten, too. I mean, try to ask anyone to name either the Prime Minister of Britain between 1850 and 1940, or the uh, or a American President or House uh, Speaker of the House between 1850 and, you know, in 1900 or 1950. Try to, try to name them. You can't. You know, uh, a few presidents get remembered. So, so in that sense, the Kardashians will be forgotten, just like most people are forgotten, for better or for worse. Uh, you know, this goes by the, the Acton phrase about great men are generally bad men. Um, so maybe being forgotten, in a sense, is a virtue. So, so the Kardashians will eventually make bad business deals, or they'll get old, and new celebrity entourages will emerge on the scene using new, you know, technology means. TikTok, whatever, they'll they'll emerge. So they'll be forgotten. But, but but the royal family seems to like still stick around. You know, it's like an infestation in the lawn, or it's a good infestation in the lawn. It it prevents other infestations in the lawn from happening here. And uh uh, uh like a like it's a weed that keeps other weeds from um from forming. So again, as an again, I, I've said this before, I'm a philosophical anarchist in the sense that I think states are bad. And we did do an episode. I don't know how we get to that. I don't know how we get to that state. Uh, I'm just, this is sort of intellectual activity here. Um, I, I'm not not a partisan political activist activity in that sense. This is just purely intellectual here. Um, but I do I do think you know states are a priori you know violent a priori uh, institutions which are uncompetitive. Well, well, there are, they have certain aspects that are competitive. But the, you know, the nature of the state itself is it's sort of monopoly on, uh, you know, justice, law and order and increasingly other areas as well as a criminal organization kind of gang. But if you're going to have states, it seems like it seems like monarchies, monarchical states, even in their even in their demuted cucked form, which is sort of the British royal family, still paradoxically enough have features which have to be brought up here. And, you know, again, they do take away. Um, some of the celebrity power from politicians. I, I think that's quite obvious here. Like it's now part is because I'm not from Britain here, but I don't know of any, and it could just be system differences too. The parliamentary systems, you can't have these outsiders just rise up the ranks as quickly. And that that may explain most of it. But you know, you don't see as much you know PMs having a celebrity status over there. And you know, I brought up Donald Trump. Unlike most never Trumpers. I do broadly agree, begrudgingly somewhat, but non-begrudgingly also, with like people like Jeffrey Tucker in the end about Trump. Trump was terrible on COVID, for example. I mean, he, and Trump was terrible on war. He's wars. He I hired John Bolton. He hired all sorts of people. As Sean Gabs point out, like he had no political instincts outside of like, you know, like the short-term political fight on Twitter. He had very little, you know, Machiavellian. You know, he didn't have a very good regime. He, he he did a few things which were good. So my criticisms of Trump are not that Trump's a racist or Trump's, you know, said mean things about uh, uh, Meghan McCain or, or 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 the Clintons. Those were funny. Those were great. It was more his policies and, you know, he didn't do enough in certain areas. He, he, he went along. So that that's my criticism of Trump's here. It's not the usual suspects criticism of of Trump here. So I want I want to make that clear. But my 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 final point here is, is that even in their even in their sort of limited form, they still seem to take they still seem to have some role. And again, I do think there is a sort of girl power celebrity worship of the recent queen, um, which is no different than 
you know, the some of the Kardashian worship. I do think that's also at play. Um, uh, you before this conversation, where you were saying there's a difference between being a royalist and a monarchist. A royalist is who buys into the cult of the celebrity. A monarchist like Peter Hitchens um, buys into celebrities, but uh, buys into monarchy as an idea, as a sort of political form of government which is superior than other forms of government. So again, I, I say that philosophical a priori, you know, right-wing anarchist, that would be my position. But I must say, you know, in this sense, you know, Jeffrey Hummel wrote why the American Revolution was needed. But I must say there are features to, if you're going to have states, there are features to monarchies, even today in their limited forms. Would you broadly agree with that? And what do you think is the future of a royal family? Um, do you think there will continue, you know, sort of existing on quietly in the background? Or do you think a scandal will take them out? You think, uh, do you think they'll be, you know, hung and uh, shot in a uh, room like the uh, Romanovs eventually? Like, I noticed the left doesn't really care, the British left. If anything, the British left, funny enough, likes them, I think. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But, uh, uh, well, you know, they're not calling for their heads on a on a platter or anything. You know, not, not eating, eat the rich, not eat the monarchists. Um, but uh, what, what do you say to the role of them in the future? You know, what, what will happen? Swithin? I don't see them going any away anytime soon. Talk about celebrity, they all seem to have jumped on the um, climate change bandwagon and um, oh, they're all talking about mental health and we must be kind to people. And uh, oh, who was it? It was um, William's wife, Kate, said, oh, how, how addiction is an illness, it's a disease. It's, it's, it's not people just being weak willed, it's, it's a disease equivalent well she didn't say equivalent to cancer but essentially that's what the claims so they, they seem to have morphed and taken on the uh the talking points of the upper middle class um and so um are, are saying the right things whether they became if they became reactionaries uh which i suppose is what all these sort of left republicans always expected them to be then they may become somewhat less popular uh, but uh, for the foreseeable future, I don't see them going anywhere. Uh, Charles is wanting to go to a more of a, a slimmed down monarchy and to reduce um, um, the cost of running it. Whether that will continue with William is not obvious because it may be the case that spending more money actually generates more interest and actually generates uh, more revenue and therefore profit for them in the long run if they're seen as this sort of old sort of weird but interestingly weird um group of people who have all these ancient traditions and things but um i don't really see it going uh anywhere really it 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 it, i think it's, it's good for business and um i think as it stands is is, is an interest to people because it's a functioning monarchy. Uh, I would agree as well that uh, I think one reason Elizabeth II was held up as a, the great, um, the great uh, queen was because, well, she was female, and, and so therefore extra points because ascribed status for being female, which actually is historically true. Uh, females tend to get more ascribed status than men do, uh, but that's another matter entirely. So uh, I, I don't see him going in a Romanoff situation anytime soon. That said, I mean, if you have a general collapse, then everything's on, off the table. But um, uh, I would suspect any revolutionary group will probably want to use the monarchy as a way of legitimising their their rules. So if you get the king to get them on side, then 
you know, oh, everyone says, oh, yeah, they're okay. The king says they're okay. So then, you, you, they are known for being, for taking politically correct talking points recently. Um, uh, do you think they actually believe it? Uh, do you think they're actually just sort of upper middle class people that happen to be aristocratic monarchies? Or do you think they are just saying it just because that's the people that, that you know, write their checks more or less? And, you know, they sort of have to say the stuff, they have to say the COVID stuff, they have to say the climate change stuff. Do you think they actually believe it? Uh, what, what would you make of that question, Swithin? I think they probably do. Uh, at least some of them do. Uh, I mean, Meghan Markle is an interesting example. Um, she seems to be very cynical, though, as well. Um, so whether she, she does it just because she knows it gets some... Um, it, she knows it, it, it gets her resources. But I, I think most people, uh, to a large extent, are just unreflective of this kind of thing and just sort of go with the flow. And uh, those are probably the types of people they deal business with and a lot of the time, so just sort of imbibe it. Um, so uh, I don't necessarily they do think. Charles does seem to be sort of a genuine climate uh, catastrophist. That does seem to be the case. And also, uh, they seem to genuinely, or Prince Philip seems to genuinely believe in overpopulation, because in the famous quote, him saying, ah, yes, if he came back, he'd want to come back as a virus so he could reduce the world's population, um, which is, a, which, give or take a few words here, is essentially a, a verbatim quote. Um, so I think um, they might, but again, I just think a lot of people just take on points of view because they just are the ones that you need to hold to be upwardly mobile. Not that the royal family is particularly upwardly mobile, uh, but it's a way that they can get ahead and keep people happy who they need to keep happy. Other than that, now that begs the question of whether and to what extent they are powerful, because whether or not everyone else needs to keep them happy rather than the other way around might be um, might be the question. So. It's kind of difficult, but I mean, they, they don't seem the most studious of bunches. So, uh, and also remember the aristocracy was traditionally out of the military class rather than, say, the scholarly or priestly class. So uh, whether they're really sort of genetically sort of suited for uh, abstract thought and stuff is another question. Uh, they really ought to be selected for sort of like uh, military strength and uh, and courage, although that doesn't seem to be particularly uh, a good description of the current royal family. What would you? We have a few more. We we're approaching the hour here. We have a few more. Uh, one more question for you is, and I'm not asking what like other people think, but what do you think is their actual power? Like, if you were to make a ranking of of people's influence of in the island, the set of island known as the United Kingdom, um, where would you put you know the current king in terms of that rank? Like, you know, again, there's always a thousand conspiracies about everything, which, you know, as we've seen, many of them could be true. Um, but like, you know, in the United States, you have the Glenn Greenwald theory, which is like the president, for example, since about the Kennedy administration, hasn't really had much formal political power in terms of like, you know, and, and this is even true. Like, they don't even know what's in the bills. Um, so and this goes back to my celebrity theory of politi politicians, that politicians are more actors celebrities which peter hitchens broadly agrees with well but where would you put like in the island of britain right now if you made a list of powerful people again you could always say behind the scenes people are actually really powerful uh those are the people there 
you know, that quietly live. But where would you put them? Are they in the top 10 percent? I would think they're all obviously in the top 10 percent, considering, you know, you have, you know, homeless people that are clearly less powerful, you know, and so forth. Uh, I, they're they're obviously in the top one percent. I would also think of most powerful people on that island. Are they in the top like a hundred? Are they in the top thousand? Like if you took a in you took like the executive like the richest firm in Britain or a CEO or somebody like that, where would they or or let's say a, a you know a, a military or a high government position? Where would you put them in their power? Again, I'm not really asking what other people say, or well, again, unless you can say other people say this, and I think their position is roughly correct, but what would you say, Swithin, is in terms of their power? I would clearly think they're in the top 1%. Well, there's something in the top 1%. As to how high, I really, very, very, very difficult to tell. Um, just to note, the top 1% are basically mostly irrelevant. Um, I think it, just income-wise, to be in the top 1% in England, you need to earn like 120,000 a year, which is if someone's offered me the money, I'll take it. But it's far from serious, serious money. Um, but of course, you know, is we're kind of going on to, you know, does, does money make you powerful, which it does to a large extent. Um, so, I mean, the again, the royal family is rich. The question is how rich is hard to say because also it's in land. And then how much is the land worth? Again, not obvious. Um, the... Duke of Westminster, I believe, is one of the uh, richest men in the country. He's a multi-billionaire um, and owns lots of valuable land. Um, as to how influential, I suppose if, if I take the view, which I do, that sort of ideas are the most powerful, ultimately. And you can go to technology and things and, and money, but ultimately how you use your money determines about determined by um, what you think the good life is, which is, of course, then an idea. So are they really on sort of like the idea forming class? Well, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, you could argue maybe that some of the elites. Now, the question here with power for me, you make a decision between people and institutions because you could make the argument various news organizations, uh, production companies, uh, and uh, universities are some of the most important. Uh, but then, of course, they need to be financed. Which, uh, I'll ask, uh, which which is more powerful, the BBC or the UK royal family? Again, you or could the argue the, the, okay, the, B- the BBC. BBC by a mile. Okay. BBC massively. Um, because they set the agenda, they set the tone. I mean, so for instance, if you go in uh, acceptable middle class circles and let's stuff with respect to coronavirus, if it's been on the BBC, it's true and it can't be doubted. Everything else is fringe. It's a, the BBC functions like the New York Times. So if it's the New York Times, it's it, 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 it's kosher. Um, you know, it's it, it's right. You know, you need to follow it. But other other news outlets, well, no, no, they're a bit, you know a bit, a bit down markets. So uh, the BBC definitely. Now, to what extent the royal family might influence the BBC is another question. And then you get into all the things about uh, all documented by Kerry Bolton, uh, Caleb Mulpin, etc. That um, you have these sort of media types uh, who are influential, but ultimately they're funded by the CIA or other uh, businessmen. I think the similar thing happened with um, uh, the Civil Rights Act in America as well. So following them. 
The money is very important and how it gets there is difficult. I mean, the BBC is funded by the EU in part. I mean, not mostly. Most of it's basically a tax. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the influence, I think, is indirect in a way that the BBC is direct. But that doesn't mean that indirect power is not um, is, is, is not important because in a way it's, in a sense, more important. But then it begs the question is why why did these organisations want to influence these uh, institutions in certain ways? And so we get to the deep sort of, uh, sort of psychological area. Um, but but that's the way um, I, I would approach things. Now, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. 